When you haven't done something in a while, yeah. and you go back and do it, and you're like, I still got it. Yeah. <laughs> I can do it still. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. Um, well, good morning. good morning, and welcome. It's great to see you guys. Um, actually, what I'd like to do is sing one more song. I want to sing a children's song with you guys. Right. Did any of you grow up learning the song or knowing the song, I Just Want to Be a Sheep? Okay, I'm putting myself on. Someone said, okay, I heard a couple of yeahs out there. So that means I'm not going to be alone. Okay, so this is what I want to do. I'm going to sing it. I would like for you guys to sing on it. It's super easy to pick up on. And, and just so I'm, I'm less embarrassed, can you stand up with me? And I'll get us going. I'll just sing and just sing along. You'll pick up on it, okay? Ready? And we're going we're gonna to sna- clap on two and four, okay? That's how I do things. <laughs> I just want to be a sheep, ba, 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 ba. This is sing. I just want to be a sheep. Ba 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 ba. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. I just want to be a sheep. Ba 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 ba. You, you got that part? Okay. Then we're gonna throw in some other verses and come back to that. Okay. You ready? I don't want to be a goat. Nope. Nope. I don't want to be a goat. You guys got it. Oh, I forgot the words. Cause goats don't got any hope. I don't want to be a goat. I just want to be a sheep, ba, 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 ba. I just want to be a sheep, ba, 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 ba. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. I just want to be a sheep. There you go. You're getting into it now. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to be a hypocrite. Because they're not hip with it. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I just want to be a sheep, ba, 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 ba. I just want to be a sheep, ba, 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 ba. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. I just want to be a sheep, ba, 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 ba. I don't want to be a Pharisee. I don't want to be a Pharisee. Because they're not fair, you see. I just want to be a sheep, ba, 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 ba. I just want to be a sheep, ba, 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 ba. I just want to be a sheep, ba, 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 ba. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. I just want to be a sheep, ba, one more. I don't want to be a Sadducee. I don't want to be a sad. You know where this is going. Because they're just sad, you see. I just want to be a sheep, ba, 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 ba. I just want to be a sheep, ba, 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 ba. I just want to be a sheep, ba, 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 ba. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. I just want to be a sheep, ba, 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 ba. Amen. You guys are awesome. Woo. Knocking the rust off. It's been like, I don't know, 20 years since I sang that song. <laughs> and it has popped in my head. I'm like, this is kind of perfect, isn't it? There's some profound truth in that song. There's some, there's some cool things with children's music. Because to, to explain things to a kid, you have to really be able to get down to the core. And you, you do that. Sometimes you lose. I mean, a lot of times you lose things in that. But there's also can be some profound truth in that. But yet, songs alone, or song like this alone, some, no matter how many times you sing it, it doesn't mean it's going to stop you from being a goat, or stop you from being a hypocrite, or stop you from being a Pharisee or a Sadducee. Amen? Amen. This morning, the title of the message is, I Don't Want to Be a Pharisee, <laughs> inspired by the song here. If we don't want to become those things or become, be in those positions where we end up opposing God's story, it's going to take some serious humility, grace, 
and reflection, I think, we'll, we'll dive into it here in a second, but if you have been keeping up with reading Luke, we're at the point in Luke right now where Jesus is engaging with the, the religious elite, the dominant religious culture, and they're going at it. And I don't want to say going at it, but more that as, no matter how many times they reject them, he still calls them back to God's story. And for me personally, this has been hard. Because I want to be, yeah, Jesus, boo, Pharisees. And I think I even said it a few weeks back, do we see ourselves as Pharisees? I've had to, I've had to take a step back. Man, am I, do I see myself? Can, am I willing to put myself in that place, to be humble, to look in the mirror, to consider those things. So we're going to go there this morning together, together. There's safety together in Jesus. Amen. But we've got to, church, we've got to go there. There's an awesome quote by a guy named Brennan Manning. You've probably heard this. He says, this, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. This is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. As much as when we talk about repentance, Jesus is calling the religious elite to repent. In our culture, we love to call the sinners to repent. We love to call people to repent when we're studying the Bible with them. But Jesus is like, that is important. And Jesus does do that. He heals people, but he's going to the religious, the religious people. He's saying, you guys also really got to repent. So we're going there this morning. Jesus has already gone there. We're going to follow Jesus. This might hurt a little bit, but let's go. Let's go. What's happening in, we've been reading Luke chapters 13 and 14 this week. Um, Look at sharp, Clay. I'm sorry. I just looked over. Clay, you're looking sharp this morning, brother. Not to embarrass you, man. I look good, man. Good morning. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And we know what's going to happen. They, they think they know what's going to happen. He's approaching Jerusalem. On his way, he teaches his disciples. As he's teaching his disciples, he is very openly rejected by the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. Yeah, yeah, you're picking up on this as you've read. You've noticed this pattern. And so Jesus will engage. He'll go into a Pharisee's house. He'll go have dinner with them. He'll, he will engage with them and meet them where they're at, too. They will reject him, and then he very openly corrects them. Very, yeah, right? Okay, what, yeah, you've seen that. Jesus responds. He calls them to repentance, but he doesn't stop doing that. He doesn't write them off. What's interesting is the closer Jesus gets to Jerusalem, which, what's the point? Like, what's, what's the big deal about Jerusalem? Yeah, oh, yeah, it's like their center of worship right, in Judaism, or at least that's how they are seeing it, the closer they get to, that Jesus gets to Jerusalem, the more intensely he gets rejected. Think about that for a second. 
These are the people that are supposed to be in the core, the, the middle of God's story and making his kingdom come here on earth. And yet the closest Jesus draws nearer to them, to that hub, the rejection gets more intense. Why? Do you feel it? It's an important question. I had to ask myself, why is Jesus wasting his time on these people? Forget them, Jesus. Go be, go be you. Go heal people. Go tend to the poor. Go tend to these people. But yet Jesus doesn't do that. Why is he doing that? I'm, I'm, like, I'm like almost angry at Jesus for doing that. Right? I don't want to be a Pharisee. We got two handles today. Humbling the exalted. We're going to talk about that in a second. And then, are we fair, you see? I can't get away from that song. You know, Luke reveals that the closer Jesus gets to Jerusalem, the center of worship, he's, he's going to be rejected by the very people who are supposed to embrace him. The religious elite had already built their own kingdom based on rules and their own sense of order. And that inhibited them and other people from seeing King Jesus. Jesus is restoring. Jesus is. He was and is restoring the world by humbling the traditions and systems of those who exalt themselves so that all may see God, including those people. Amen? This is going to be tough stuff. We're going there together. So humbling the exalted. You know, as we've talked about the Pharisees, I feel like this is another one of those, it's a group of people, a name or a word we throw out there. We use this all the time, but who are they? Uh, Who are they, right? Has anyone else wondered that? Like, wait a second. Who are they? Where do they come from? What's their deal? uh, Hopefully, we should be asking these questions. I brought my source material with me. I'm a big, uh, anybody else go to Bible.org? Like a like a lot? If you're not, you should check it out. It's really cool. Um, they have a bunch. It's a collaborative between a bunch of Bible scholars. It is really cool. Um, but let's, I want to share with you a little bit. I'm trying to hold back, you know me, and my teaching tendencies. But I feel like we have to talk a little bit about who these people were. If we're talking about how do we see ourselves from their perspective, we've got to understand who they were. And I think the more we understand who they were, we're going to be like, oh, okay. All right. So, <clears throat> let's begin here. Pharisee. Uh, the, 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 their name comes from this root word paras, which means to divide or separate. They take it from a, passage, a reading of the passage, Leviticus 11.44, be holy as I am holy, be separate as I am separate. So, so Pharisees, it, it literally means the separated ones. The separated ones. Who are they, who are they separating themselves from? They wanted to separate themselves from the quote-unquote people of the land. That was a designation that they gave to those that were illiterate. They couldn't read, and they were unrefined. Um, And their illiteracy actually, you know, kind of impeded them from being able to remain faithful to their religious duties and to understand, you know, uh, all the laws and, and, and how to be clean Right? There was a barrier there. So they wanted to separate themselves from the people of the land. You're like, oh, yeah, icky people. Wait, hold on. Do we do that? They weren't alone. The, the Pharisees developed out of a group 
from some, something called the Hasidim. These were the early, quote-unquote, faithful Jews that were opposing Hellenization, which we're, we can go deeper into this maybe tomorrow night at the Monday night group. But Hellenization, that is, that is Greek culture. That's the, 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 the watering down and defilement of their religion. Yes? Okay, I think maybe those words resonate with us. They stood opposed to that. They stood opposed to that. You know, in the time, in the silent years, it's called the time between the Old Testament and the New Testament is when this group is coming really into being. And um, there is a leading group called the Hasmoneans. You might have heard of them. But the Pharisees were actually starting to be used to give guidance to this regime um, um, founded on defense of the Torah. Um, there's, this thing happened. And so this sounds pretty admirable. Like, they want to be people of the book. They want to follow God's words. They want to be holy as God is holy. Stop. Is that bad? Do you want to be holy as God is holy? Do you want to be separate? As God, as God is just separate from every other God? And Yeah? Hmm. Something happens. Under Janaeus, which he ruled like 100 B.C., the Pharisees, which is very shortly before the time of Jesus, this is not too far beforehand, the Pharisees were kept from their influence. They all of a sudden didn't have influence anymore. And Janaeus was hostile towards Pharisees and had 800 Pharisees killed, put to death. When the next ruler succeeded, the Pharisees then used their power to demand the death of those responsible for killing the 800. Scholar Samuel says, seizure of power and the capacity to use it cruelly was an objective of both the Pharisees and Sadducees of that time. The religious distinction, if remembered at all, was clearly secondary to political. Historian Josephus, probably the most prolific uh, historian of the Jewish faith, said that the, the Pharisees were more of a political, became, became, didn't start as, became more of a political interest group. There's a lot more. Go to Bible.org, y'all. There's the plug right there. I could say a lot more. Right? Well, let me say a couple more things. Because I think these are going to resonate with us. The Pharisees were known for their observances that were succeeded from their fathers. What does that mean? They carried down the traditions of their fathers, whether or not they were written down in the law of Moses, and it got to a point. They practiced something called oral law, which passing down of these laws orally. Yes, that's how this has happened in this time. And they were really good at it. But it led to something. The multiplications of these traditions being passed down, starting to blend in with the law of Torah, starting to get twisted. And it led to legalism that now entered Jesus, enter, enter the New Testament. We see that on display. I think there's something to understand where they got started from. Yeah. From wanting to resist what they saw as the watering down and defilement of their religion, to be different, to stand apart. I think we can, I think we can relate to that, yeah? But in the process, in, in that angle, they lost sight of God's story. This, this group is far more relatable than we give them credit for. There's been a lot of anti-Semitism in history, 
And if you want to be really honest, within a lot of Christian history, too, if you go back to the medieval times, there's a lot of anti-Semitism. And so there's a lot of boo Pharisees, boo Sadducees, boo all these Jewish groups. I think they're a little bit more relatable than we give them credit for. Let's open to Luke. That's a long preface. But I, I, we've got to, we got to ask those, we have to ask those questions. If we want to get below a surface, surface level understanding of scripture, right? If veggie tales is not enough for you. I dog on veggie tales a lot, don't I? Get like a cease and desist letter. All right, Luke 14. With that context, with that preface, now let's listen to Jesus. Luke 14, we're going to read a couple parables here, starting in verse 7. Okay, this is, at, this is right after Jesus is rejected by the Pharisees. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the, oh, am I starting a little, that's right. Yeah, when he noticed how, the, verse 7, when he noticed how the picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. Hold on a second. You been to a wedding reception? Would you go sit in like the, the groomsman <laughs> table? Would you just go sit there if you weren't one? That's kind of the audacity, the level of audacity Jesus is talking about here, right? For a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the one who invited both of you will come to say to you, um, can you give this person your seat? Then humiliated, humbled, you have, you'll have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place so that when your, when your host comes, he'll say to you, friend, move on up to a better place. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. Let's go to verse 15. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat in the feast in the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus replied, wait, there's more. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. Now, here's the thing. In this time and place, so I think today we're a little bit too, too quick to, to cancel. If we're invited stuff, we're like, oh, we'll get it next time. Oh, I'm sorry, I can't. You know, and I'm not trying to dog on anyone that has to do that. But in this time, if you got invited, you said yes. We've talked about hospitality and the level of hospitality people had. There's also a sense to accepting that hospitality, right? You said yes, and you went. But, but they all alike began to make up excuses. The first said, I just bought a field. I must go and see it. Please excuse me. This is a very viable, I mean, maybe you could argue this is a viable excuse. Because this is common practice in this time. If you would go to buy land, you would want to go and survey it. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah, right? And what are they going to use the land for? Farming? Growing food? to eat, to live, to sell, to have money, to survive, to survive, yeah. to survive. Yeah. 
Yeah, okay, maybe, okay. Another said, I just bought five yoke oxen. I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. That's a lot of yoke oxen. Most people could only afford one or two. Five yoke is a lot. So he's like, yeah, I just, I just went and bought a Lambo. <laughs> I got to go drive it. Okay. And then another said, I just, or still another said, I just got married so I can't come. This one, they don't even apologize. <laughs> And there is something in the law about when you get married, you take a year off, but not from everything. You take a year off of some things, from work, you can't go to battle, stuff like that. It's this intimate time of getting to know, yada, one another. But I'm pretty sure, it's my understanding, and this is Jesus' point, you can still go to a banquet. <laughs> you, can get, you can get out of the house for that. The servant came back and reported to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what have you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Here Jesus is alluding to the inclusion of the Gentiles. The master told the servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. We can read that last line and kind of get this sense that, wow, that Jesus, that's kind of unforgiving. No, the point is that they, <laughs> they uninvited themselves. They're the ones who said, I can't come, right? And so the, the party host is like, okay, cool. Well, I'm having a party. The kingdom of God is like that. The kingdom of God is like that. It's interesting, and it's almost to me, I don't know about to you, but almost to me it's almost nerve-wracking that Jesus would continue to teach, to rebuke, to call to repent, to have grace with the Pharisees. They've had their time. They've had their chance, right? Hmm. Jesus clearly desires for all people to see God. Let's take a field trip back in Luke. Something significant that John the Baptist read from. Luke chapter 3 and verse 4. As it's written, this is, this is John the Baptist preparing the way for his, for his cousin. As it is written in the book, in the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make the paths straight for him. Every valley will be filled in, and every mountain will be made low. Okay. The, we, we in Kansas, we know what that looks like, yes? The crooked roads shall be straight, I-70. The roadways... Smooth, not ice. <laughs> All people will see God's salvation. I'm not trying to water that down. I'm just trying to put that in terms we can understand. God's kingdom is coming, and he's going to do things so that everybody will be able to see him. So it's not just all, God will literally move creation. This is a very poetic language. I, I'll move creation just so you can see me. That's how much I care. That's how important this is. Like, wow, that's beautiful. He's also going to move people. And as Jesus said, 
the exalted will be humbled. The humbled will be exalted. You see that? All will be level. That's what the word humble means. It means to be made low, to reduce to a plane, to be close to the dirt, to lower, to depress. You know, the traditions and systems of the Pharisees had blocked out not only themselves from being able to see God clearly and and, and hear and follow God's story, but other people around them as well from seeing and experiencing God. Therefore, what does God say is going to happen? It's going to humble them because God's angry? No, so that people can see him. Does that make sense? Okay, all right. Maybe I'm sitting on this a little too hard. I'm just, you know, I think this is significant, especially if I think maybe there's some hesitation for us to see ourselves in the shoes of the Pharisees. We've got to remember that God has grace with them as well. Let's go to Luke 13, verse 31. This will help hopefully make a little bit more sense, too. I don't know if you read this this week. Uh, Jesus is grieving for Jerusalem, and you're kind of like, what's, what? What? This is just random. He just kind of breaks from and just, like, has this monologue, and then, like, What's happening here? Verse 31, at the time some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. Don't do it. (laughs) They're, They're scheming. They are scheming to try to stop Jesus at this point. So what does Jesus say? Go tell that fox. He's implying, one, what is a fox? Are foxes like predatory? How do, they're, say it again. Sneaky, smart, trick. No, no, that's the folklore is like tricky. But yeah, because foxes are smart. They will manipulate, scheme, do whatever they need to do to survive. Keyword, survive. They're clever. Call Herod a fox. But here's the other implication. Go tell that fox, meaning I know you already are in his ear. He's in your ear. So go tell him. Next time you guys talk. Go tell him this. Fox, I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow, and on the third day, I will reach my goal. Third day doesn't literally mean three days. It just means at the appointed time, in case that confused you. In any case, I must press on toward, uh, press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. Jerusalem! Jerusalem, you who kill the prophet. It's and stone those, those sent to you. How often I've longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you are not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. Have it your way. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. How could it be that those that were so central to God's unfolding story could be so far away from him. That's crazy, isn't it? It's so crazy. That's how I feel. Can that happen today? Can that happen with me and you? You you believe it. You better believe it. If you don't believe it, or if if you're seeing yourself from the outside in, that's that's a red flag. Is it possible that this happens today, that those who are supposed to be central to God's unfolding story 
can be in places of opposition to God? Surely not, right? Second handle, are we, are we fair, Yesi? Do we want to sing the song one more time? Do we need an upper? Are you guys okay? This is heavy. Let's go to Luke 13. Oh, wait, we're there. Verse 6. Let's go to another parable of Jesus. He told them this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but it didn't have any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. So here's the thing. Fruit trees, anyone have fruit trees? Okay, this might, okay, all right, all right. So fruit trees, if you get the little sapling from, I don't know where you get them from now, Garden Center, Lowe's, right, Amazon probably. Be ironic if Amazon mailed trees. Anyways, um, do they grow the first year? No? No, and if they do grow any fruit at all, it's like, you don't want to eat it. It's, it's, you wouldn't even feel it if you ate it. Like, it's so tiny. Fig trees would, and this is common knowledge in their time, fig trees would, they would wait three years after planting to even check for fruit, right? So the implication here is that the three years have already passed, and it's been another three years, and it's still not bearing fruit. That's a lot of patience, how many of you, if you went to Lowe's or wherever, and you had a fruit tree, and after three years it still wasn't bearing fruit, would you have that kind of patience? Would you be like, let's wait another three years? Like, eh, it doesn't work. Cutting it down. Getting a new one. I'm not doing fruit trees again. There's some firewood. Oh, that sounds like Jesus. Hold on. That sounds like Jesus. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man said, leave it alone for one more year. I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, cut it down. God continues to have grace. God continues to have grace that I cannot understand. I don't deserve. We don't deserve. But it's funny how quickly I am to switch and say, wow, they... They need to be dealt with. There needs to be some, God, will you just already? Right. How quick I am to not have grace. Yeah. I, I see that. I feel that in my heart. You know, in this parable, there's this urgency towards bearing the fruit of God as God has created you to bear. It's not about production. It's about fruition. Are you with that? It's not about production. It's about fruition. Bearing the fruit you were made to bear. The stake is too high for us to consider ourselves, to not consider ourselves from the lens of the religious elite. We've got to do this. Let's play a game. Let's play a game. Let's do this. Let's get some interaction going. Let's play a game. You ready? After you hear the title, you're going to be like, oh, this is a trick. Let's play Pharisee or modern conservative Christian. Okay, hold on. Oh. <laughs> Let's play. All right. All right, yeah, we're going to whiteboard or just keep score? Okay. One, devout believers who seek to preserve the faith from which they have received. 
Let's go to the next one. Okay, just you can you can answer these in your head. Two, there's a focus on the inspiration of scripture in the doctrines, doctrines they contain. Okay, you got an answer written down, maybe? Thinking about one? Three, play, they place a top priority on the interpretations of scripture that they receive that become internalized with their canon, with their belief system. Four, there's a great desire to do the will of God. Tithing and remaining pure receive much attention. How's the tally going so far? Five, they ascribe a great deal of authority to the teachings they receive on the Bible to the point of elevating application to the level of interpretation. Or here's the last one. Pharisee or modern conservative Christian. Those who don't comply with their understanding of the word of God are considered disobedient. Okay, you got me. It's both. We are a little bit closer to the heart of a Pharisee than I think we admit. Luke 11. You can turn there with me or you can just listen. I know we're going backwards a little bit, but guys, this all connects. Luke 11, verse 44. And the woes, the woes to the Pharisee. Woe, these hurt, <laughs> don't they? Woe to you, because you are like unmarked graves, which people walk over without knowing it. That sounds bad, but why is it bad, <laughs> right? It sounds bad, but why is it bad? According to the law, any interaction with someone who's dead, any interaction with a grave will cause you to become ceremonially unclean. Even if you walk over a grave unknowingly, you become ceremonially unclean. Does that make sense? Okay. Wow. You can't interact with the community. You've got to go be purified, and then you can rejoin the community. Then you can rejoin uh, corporate worship. His point to the Pharisees is saying, your, your traditions, your, your spiritual decay is causing others to decay. You're causing others to become unclean. Ironically, this whole thing you're chasing after of trying to be pure and follow the law, you end up just tripping people up and causing them to become unclean. Doesn't Jesus also say in the Gospels that you create yokes for people that are too burdensome that you won't even carry yourself? I know for me in my heart the expectations I have for, for you guys, for other people, can be a lot higher than I hold myself to. That's problematic. So let's say this. Again, you guys know my style. I hope this is provoking you to a lot of questions, to a lot of reflection, to some conversation that will take time. It will take time. So if Jesus says we are hypocrites, let's remove the mask. If Jesus says we are foxes, then let's stop scheming and trying to survive, trying to protect ourselves. If Jesus says, as he does here in, in, in Luke 13, to enter the narrow door, that means you've got to drop all these things you're carrying that are keeping you from entering through that narrow 
door. You know, how we respond to this is significant. How we respond to this conversation is important. So this is my last plug. This is super important. And this is also very telling. For your own heart, not for you to judge someone else's heart, for your own heart. How do you respond to Jesus' teachings on the Pharisees? You go to Galatians 5. Let's go to Galatians 5. If your response to sitting and reflecting on these teachings of Jesus if they if they if you respond with sexual immorality impurity debauchery idolatry witchcraft hatred discord jealousy fits of rage selfish ambition dissension factions envy drunkenness orgies and the like you know where your heart is. Where's your heart? It's in your flesh. What is the flesh about? What is the flesh about? What is the struggle of the flesh? Survive, survive. These are self-protective tendencies. These are animalistic tendencies. Literally, go watch Animal Planet, you see a lot of this. I don't know about the witchcraft, I've never seen animals doing witchcraft, but, <laughs> but you, you understand? How do we respond to this? How do we gauge our hearts? Let's respond like this. With love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. That's what I want. That's what I want. I don't want to be focused on my survival, my protection of self, my values, my belief, the way I think things should go. The expectations I have, I need to drop that. I need to be willing to do that. And I've got to do that more. Let's do that together. Amen? I think, I think, this, I think we could be very different people if we did this together. Amen? So bottom line, Jesus is restoring the world. Everyone has an opportunity for all to see there must be humility. We stick too closely to our religious traditions and comforts, we can end up standing in the way of God's unfolding story. So let us learn. Let us learn from Jerusalem. Let us learn from the religious elite. Let's allow ourselves to be compelled to love sacrificially, laying down our own ideals for the sake of God's way. I got some questions. I'll send those out later on the, on the, on the groups, on the, on the group me, so they should be getting sent to your small group. This is just a starting point. I know you guys have better questions. So hopefully these, those questions will spur more uh, amongst your guys' times this week. But let's go to God. Let's take communion together. Um, and we're going to have some reading of the word. We're going to go to Isaiah. Or as some say, Isaiah. Right? Okay. Thinking about good fruit. Thinking about Jesus. Listen to this reading. 
Isaiah 11. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruits. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of might. The spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. In justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. In the breath, with the breath, this is Jesus in Luke. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. The young will lie down together. The lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den. Can you imagine creation like this? The young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They, they will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now think of Jesus. In that day, that root of Jesse, he will stand as a banner. Think about that. Stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him. And his resting place will be glorious. In that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to reclaim the, the, the re surviving remnant of his people from Assyria, Lower Egypt, Upper Egypt, Cush, Elam, Babylonia, Hamath, from the islands of the Mediterranean. He will raise a banner for the nations and gather the exiles of Israel. He will assemble, assemble the scattered people of Judah from the four quarters of the earth. Ephraim's jealousy will vanish. Judah's enemies will be destroyed. Ephraim will not be jealous of Judah, nor Judah hostile toward Ephraim. They will swoop down on the slopes of Philistia to the west. Together they will plunder the people of the east. They will subdue Edom and Moab. And Ammonites will be subject to them. Listen, listen. The Lord will dry up the gulf of the Egyptian sea with a scorching wind. He will sweep his hand over the Euphrates River. He will break it up into seven streams so anyone can cross over on their feet. There will be a way. There will be a highway for the remnant of his people that's left from Assyria as it was for Israel when they came from Egypt. Now listen, in the day, in that day you will say, I will praise you, Lord. Although you were angry with me, your anger has turned away, you comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation with you, but with, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. In that day you will say, give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion. 
for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. Amen. Let's pray, and let's take communion together. God, thank you for the shoot of Jesse. Thank you for the fruit you created him to bear, and thank you for the fruit you've created us to bear. We are your people, God. We don't want to stand in opposition. I don't want to stand in opposition to you. This is hard. But help us to listen to Jesus. Help us to follow Jesus, to trust in him, to know that he's going to take care, that you, God, will provide for us. Help us as we strive to deal with these deep, dark, human, fleshly tendencies that linger within us, Father. Help us to purge those things so that we can be glorious like your son. Father, I know that Jesus has made us like that in your eyes already. Help us, help me, help we to not be down, but remember that we are clothed with your son. Thank you for him, for his example, for him being a banner on the cross for all of us. It's in his, name, his holy name we pray. Amen.